Open up to Matthew chapter 18 this morning. We'll see how far we get in this chapter. Again, there's so much here. But, but look what we read beginning in verse 1. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. As you look at Matthew chapter 18, there is so much here packed into this chapter. We see really the first uh, 14 verses deal with the children, though. And and we'll see how far we get in the chapter here. And and what had happened, you guys, is as you look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, is that the disciples, when they were on the road to Capernaum, they began uh, an argument. They began a discussion. And this was how it went. They said, hey, I'm going to be greater than you when Jesus sets up his kingdom. No, I'm going to be greater than you. No, I demand that position. They began to argue there on the road who would be the greatest. And so when they arrived at their destination, the Lord, uh, he busted them. He asked them a question. He said, hey, what were you guys talking about right there on the road? Just out of curiosity. And they didn't answer him. Why? Because they were ashamed at the motivations of their heart. They had so much pride inside of them. And, you know, so the, they then asked the question as the Lord just begins to challenge them in this whole area. Lord, well, well, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so what did the Lord do? He called the little child and he put him right, boom, in the middle of them all. And he said, here's the answer, you guys. Surely I say to you, truly, verily, verily, this is really how it works. Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means even enter the kingdom of God. The Lord right here tells them that unless you are converted, speaking of a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction, a change of attitude, a change of perspective, unless something changes inside of your heart, unless you come to this point of simple, humble faith, like a little child, listen, this is the way it's going to work. You're not even going to have to worry about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. You're not even going to make it into the kingdom of God. The Lord just sets them straight and he communicates to them and to us that heaven is for the humble. Those who have humbly acknowledged the fact that they're sinners in need of a savior, those who realize that they're not good enough to make it to heaven on their own, those who really acknowledge the grace of God in their life and in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's really where it begins, you guys, to, Go to heaven is not something that we're going to be good enough to ever do. You know, we all here, most of us here as Christians, we've come to that point in our life where we realize I am a sinner. I'm a wretched, wicked man in and of myself. There's nothing good, nothing good in me whatsoever. I desperately need Jesus Christ and his love and his cross and his blood to save me from my sin. And you know, that's where it begins. That's how you get saved. And then from there, that attitude, that perspective never, ever changes. 
And unfortunately, I think, though, in the church, we, you know, we, even as Christians, we fall short in that area. You see some people jockeying for position. They want to oversee that ministry. They want to be the chairman of the church. They want to be the president over the people. Whatever the case may be, there's a lot of pride inside of us many times. And we know that it's lurking there. And God is saying, listen, I really want you to understand this. If you want to be great in God's kingdom... What you really need to do is humble yourselves, be the servant of all. And then when God looks at us, we'll see that we will be where he wants us to be. The Lord had given a story in Luke chapter 18. We read kind of the same mentality about the tax collector who stood afar off. And the Bible says he would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord said this, I tell you that this man went home justified, while the other who was filled with self-righteousness was only praying to himself. And here's where we begin today, you guys. As we look at this chapter, we'll look at the children, the church, and then the challenge. When it comes to the children, I pray that we would learn from them humility. Humility is and always will be an overriding attribute in the life of a Christian. You know, humility is simply the honest assessment of ourselves. I mean, let's be real, okay? Let's all be transparent here. We know how wretched we are, huh? And I know a lot of times we come to church and we do our best. We don't want to, you know, let our flesh hang out. And the Bible does say that a fool vents all his feelings. And we don't come to church and, you know, just sin because... Hey, everybody's a sinner. You know, we do our best, but we need to always do our best, whether we're in church or whether we're at home. But the bottom line is, when we compare ourselves to God, all of us here, all of us, apart from God, are wicked, wretched people. That's what the Bible says. And so when you look at humility, it's just an honest assessment of who we are. It's kind of interesting, the the word humility, it comes from a Latin word, it means humus, And it actually speaks of clay. It speaks of dirt. (laughs) And that's all we are, you guys, and that's okay. We are dirt clogs into whom God has breathed love and life. There's anything good in us, it's totally the Lord. And so that just keeps us humble when we understand who we are. You know, in God's kingdom, greatness consists, please understand, of humility. And we really need to have that in our harm. One time, Hudson Taylor was scheduled to speak at a large church in Melbourne, Australia. And the moderator of the service introduced him in eloquent and glowing terms. And he told the congregation all that Taylor had accomplished in China and then presented him to the people as their illustrious guest. And so when Taylor came up to the podium, he stood quietly for a moment and then he opened his message by saying this, Dear friends... I am simply the little servant of an illustrious master. And you see, that right there, that type of humility is the guideline to greatness in God's kingdom. I've always loved what F.B. Meyer said. He said, when it comes to the kingdom, he said, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one above the other, and that the taller we grew in Christian character, the more easily we could reach them. But I now find that God's gifts are on shelves one beneath the other. And that's not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower. 
And if you have a heart, if you have a desire just to serve, doesn't matter where, you don't have to be seen, then you are now on the right track when it comes to God's kingdom. You see, a true child, if you think about it, when they're really true children, they're not concerned about power or position. They're not caught up with climbing the corporate ladder. I mean, they want to climb the ladder, get on the roof, but that's about it now. They don't want to go up the corporate ladder. They you know, are not interested in being the chairman or the overseer of any particular ministry. For the true child, life is not yet that carnally complicated. But a lot of times for us in the church, it is. And so Jesus says to these guys right here who are all caught up in position and power and you know, all that you know, type of stuff, the pride, the ugliness. He says, listen, if you want to be great, what you need to do is humble yourself and you need to change. You need to be converted. You need to change and be like a child. And that's what we need, you guys. I just love it when it comes to God's kingdom. It's so beautiful. I mean, you know, we think about it. I would love, wouldn't you love to just live your life as a child? I mean, that's really the way in many ways we're supposed to live. I mean, remember how it was, you guys, when we were kids? Don't you remember? We'd go out there, play baseball, basketball, ride our bikes around the neighborhood, you know, shoot rubber bands at each other, throw rocks. I mean, I mean life was less complicated. Life was fun. Life was free. We weren't caught up in making a whole bunch of money. We weren't worrying about whether you know, we would be able to make ends meet. And God is saying, that's the type of faith, that's the type of life that I want you to live because in all reality, you are my children. But a lot of times we mess things up. We just need to be like little children. I remember reading a story about a distinguished elderly man who walked into a toy store and he saw this incredible train. It was going around and around and around the track. And so looking at the train with a sparkle in his eye, he said to the sales girl, he said, you know what, I'll, I'll take one of those. And the sales girl was really excited. She looked back at him and she said, wow, that, that's great. Your grandson will love it, you know. <laughs> and then the man looked back and he thought and he pondered and he said, you know what, that, that's true. I'll take two. <laughs> one, for, one for me, one for him. You see, just being a, a child, you guys, just uncomplicating things just humbling ourselves, trusting our Heavenly Father to take care of us and put us where He wants to be. You see, that's where God wants our heart to be. The man here we see was a child, free and fun, simple, sincere, and sensitive, and that's what God wants us to be. You guys, I just encourage you today, no matter what your aspirations are, no matter what your dreams are, you don't, sometimes you don't know if it's the Lord or the flesh, to be honest with you, no matter what it is, I just want to encourage you to humble yourself. Let's humble ourselves and let's see what the Lord does in our life. The Bible says this is for all of us. We read that in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We know who we are, you guys. We all should know who we are. Apart from God, we're nothing. And that's okay. Actually, when we come to that realization, that's right where we belong. Now God can use our life 
And that's our prayer. So we look at this right here. And we, first of all, we see that we need to be humble as children. And then secondly, we see we need to welcome or receive the children. Because look what it says there in verse 5. It says, whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Now, I was tempted to just kind of jet through this, you guys, because I want to you know, finish the whole chapter. And we will see how it all ends up. But it seems to me like the Lord wants to communicate to us today primarily how we can learn from the children, how we can serve the children. Because let's all you know, acknowledge this right now. The children in that classroom, in that classroom, in that classroom, even that one over there, they are the next generation. And many times what happens in life is that the children are rejected or the children are neglected and we are failed to pass the baton on to the next generation like they did there in the book of Judges. After God had done such a tremendous work in you know, the book of Joshua, they went in, they got the land. It was so exciting to see what God Almighty had done, but they neglected to receive, to, to welcome, to bless the children. And so the Lord, he spends these verses right here, verses 1 through 14, talking all about the children. And here he says in verse 5 that we need to receive these little children. And as we do, we receive him. Now the word receive here in verse 5, it literally means to take with the hand, to lift, to hold up. It speaks of granting access, hospitality, friendship. It can even speak of receiving into one's family. It means to bring up, to educate, to give ear to, to embrace. And that's what we should be doing with all these beautiful children that God has brought into our life. We really should. Jesus doesn't want us to reject them. He wants us to welcome them, to receive them. And when you think about the children, huh, there's something about them that you know, keeps us simple as we hang out with them. I mean, I, 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 I'm envious of Teacher Jesse's job back there as he oversees the children's ministry. See, he has less gray hairs than I do, and I think now I know why, man. It's so cool hanging out with the kids. And I was telling Jesse, I was talking to him about this study uh, yesterday. I was thinking it's kind of cool. Today we have the children's ministry meeting afterwards, and it seems like the whole study is about the children, Jesse. And I think God really wants to communicate to us so clear. Think about it. If every single person in this room right here just caught that vision, and whether it's your own children or someone else's children, but you began to love those children with God's love the way that he wants you to, imagine what an impact that we can make. I remember reading a story about a pastor. He had been in a church for a couple of years now, and one day he stood up before the congregation. He said, I... I need to give you my resignation today. I've been here for two years now, and, and the only one that's gotten saved is we, Robert Moffat. And so I resign today as your pastor. And so he left the church. But it's such an amazing thing, because for those of you who know church history, we, Robert Moffat, opened the doors for missionaries in the entire continent of Africa. And if each one of us here would begin to just, you know, give our life to the Lord in that way, if each one of us here, man, would begin to catch that vision, then I believe that we would impact, that we would change the world for the glory of God. 
And that's what we need to do, you guys. We really need to have that heart to catch that vision. And God right here says, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to welcome the children. I want you to receive the children. And I just want to encourage you guys today, even if you're teaching a Sunday school class right now, remember, it's very possible that you might have someone like that Bobby Moffitt in your class. And I just want to encourage you along this, man, that kids are not short-term loans, that really they are long-term investments. And so I just encourage you guys as we read our study today just to realize that Jesus places high value on the children. And I think it might be the, the app. Let's see. You guys can hear, huh? Should I start yelling? Let's uh, turn the monitor on, bro. We'll put it that way. Okay. Let's see how this works. All right. Do you have any special effects, like Billy Graham effects or anything (laughs) like that? Might as well, man. This is totally informal, you guys. I'm going to back up a little bit just in case that's causing the the feedback. But uh, as we see our text today, number one, God wants us to be humble as children. Number two, he wants us to welcome and receive the children. And then number three, he wants us to make sure we never harm the children. That's what we see here in verse six. It says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. And therefore take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And here we see the Lord speaking to us, and it's really a warning, you guys, for us just to make sure that we do not harm the children. I mean, this truth right here should be on every parent's heart, on every teacher's desk, how the Lord warns us to be careful not to cause one of these little ones to stop believing or to sin against him you know and so for those of you just out of curiosity how many of you here have kids uh, that are you know still at home just out of curiosity if you would raise your hand okay so for all of us as parents it definitely applies big time this is a huge billboard warning to you as parents to me that we do not cause 
these little ones to stumble. How? Well, it can be through heresy, teaching them heresy, teaching them there's no God. We see that happens in our society today. But it happens, I think, primarily through hypocrisy. When parents don't live the life that God wants them to live. And now parents need to make sure that they understand their responsibility before God Almighty. Because a lot of times these kids, when they grow up and they don't serve the Lord, and we, you know, we might come against them, oh, you know, my, my child's not serving the Lord, or whatever the case may be. thinking, Lord, it's kind of a, a different study today. You are teaching us as a congregation how precious the children are. And I just pray you guys, we would come away with really what the Lord wants to teach us, that 
We need to be humble as children. We need to welcome and receive the children. We want to make sure that we don't harm the children. We read that in verses 6 through 10 right here. It's a matter of heaven and hell. It's so important. And then the last thing we see right here is that God goes. God looks after the children. Look what it says in verse 11. It says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And so what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones, there it is again, the little ones should perish. And so God just teaches us about the children. And the last thing we see here is so cool is that the Lord has a heart for those little children. You can see it in their eyes sometimes where they're just so hurting. They're just so dying. They're just so lost inside of their little hearts. And the Bible says that God loves him so much that he's willing to leave the 99 and to go looking for that one. And when he finds that one, he rejoices more over that one, the Bible says, than over the 99 that never left. Why? Because his heart goes out to the lost and we need to have that heart as well. It's so interesting right here. It says that God loves him so much. He's willing to leave. He's willing to climb any mountain and to do whatever it is to do his best to reach them and bring them back to the fold. And this morning, I really believe that he wants us to be his eyes. He wants us to go looking. He wants us to go climbing. He wants us to go loving. He wants all of us here to begin to realize how much he cherishes the children. To be proper as parents, to be true as teachers, to long for the children, to even learn from the children. And as we do, you guys, as we understand that those little kids are so important to God, they become important to us, then we begin to catch the vision of what God wants to do in this world, you guys. I really pray that we would have that understanding in our hearts. Don't you just love the children? How, have you ever met someone who doesn't like children? They're, they're not, they're, you, could, you could tell a lot about a person by how they treat children, huh? Sometimes, man, they won't give them the time of day. Well, what can you offer me? You're just a kid. Well, that just goes to show where your heart's at. Whenever I see a little kid, I'll be honest with you, my heart melts. Every single little child, not one, not one is, is ugly to me, you know. I mean, sometimes adults, yeah, it's a little different, you know. <laughs> but not the kids, huh? Isn't that the way it is? And yet sometimes it's so hard to get teachers. I just don't understand. You know, if I could, that's where I would be. I would be teaching the children if I could. Maybe you guys need to step up. Maybe some of you here need to say, hey, I'll, I'll go, I'll help, I'll be a teacher, I'll be a helper. I'll do whatever it takes. Why? Because they're the next generation. So we learn about the children real quick, you guys. We learn about the church next. Because look what it says in verse 15. It says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, what you need to do is take with you one or two more, and that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. 
And if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. And the Lord just teaches us things about the kingdom. He teaches us about the children. He teaches us here uh, about the church. And maybe in one sense, this is kind of like you and I going looking for that little lost one. You know, not just the kids, but someone who is God's kid. And one day you find out that someone sins against you. And so what do you do? What do we do? Normally, we go tell everybody, right? Oh, I can't believe they did this to me. I can't believe that this happened. You should have seen what so-and-so, you know, did or said. Or, or, you know, we tell everybody but the one person we're supposed to tell. And that is so ugly. You know, God hates gossip, you guys. And if you're here today and you're a slanderer, a backbiter, a gossiper, let me tell you something. When you read the Proverbs and you find that that is something that is an abomination to God. And so what do we do? Well, if someone sins against us, I would encourage you, first of all, tell the Lord. Okay, because he can get them, right? Tell the Lord first. But then as the Lord would lead you, I would encourage you then, what you do is you go and you tell them. It says right there. And if he hears you, you know what it says right there? You have gained. You have gained your brother. Same word used in other parts of the Bible that speak about winning the lost. Here, what do you do? You win the church. You win your family. That's the way it should be. But if for some reason they're in sin, they don't want to repent, they don't want to listen to you, then it says right there you bring one or two more with you that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word should be established. So, so now you bring a couple of people, mature Christians, uh, that would come. And again, your heart is not to come down on them. Your heart is reconciliation. You don't have a beam in your own eye. You know, you have a, just a desire to make things right. But then if they still don't want to listen to them, what you do is you tell the church. Now, more than likely, this speaks about the church representatives, the church leadership. I, we'd be, you know, times where, yeah, you might bring it up to the entire congregation, but, you know, right here he talks about binding in heaven and binding on earth. And it's interesting because over in Matthew 16, when God gave Peter the keys to the kingdom, he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what it is, it speaks of what? church authority you see the leaders they have that key they have that authority and as you see someone doesn't want to get right you come you tell the church leaders and then they confront them and then if they still don't want to get right then the bible says you treat them as a tax collector in other words you have to excommunicate them from the church and believe it or not you guys this does happen it probably doesn't happen as often as it should because, you guys, what would happen if in this church we allowed sin in the camp? We never dealt with it. We just kind of looked the other way. What, what would happen, you guys? We would be weak huh? if we didn't deal with sin. That's what we see over in the book of Joshua, chapter 6 and chapter 7, when they had been given the victory there in the city of Jericho. God had done such a tremendous work. But then one of the guys, Achan, he sinned. He gathered some things. He coveted some things. And so when they went to the next battle, they went against Ai. It was just a, a, a little, you know, city. They said, hey, you know, send the leftovers over there. No big deal. We'll take care of that city, right? And what happened, man? They were utterly defeated. Why? Because there was sin in the camp. And what does the Bible say? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And that's why when you look at this chapter right here and we're just trying to understand what Jesus is teaching us about the children and about the church, 
that we really need to take these things seriously, that we would deal with the sin according to the scriptures. You know, some people, when they see someone in sin, the first thing they'll do is they'll tell everybody, okay, don't do that, okay? Because then we're going to tell on you, man. (laughs) Other people, what they do when someone's in sin is they tell the church leaders. That's the first thing they do. Again, don't do that. That's not what Matthew 18 says. You go to them, then you take a brother or sister with you. If that still doesn't rectify things, then you bring it to the church. And let's do this, you guys. We're not sin sniffers. We're not going around and, hey, you got any sin in your head? You know, you frisk them and stuff like that. No, you know, we're not like that. But when it's there, when it's blatant, when it's obvious, you've given them time to repent, you've just prayed over the whole thing, we deal with it in a healthy way, then God will bless our church. He says right there in verse 18, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, speaking of that church authority, the keys given to Peter there in Matthew 16. And again, verse 19, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there, it says, in the midst of of them. It's so cool, you guys. The Lord doesn't really care how big the church is, man. <laughs> he says, hey, if there's just two or three, guess what? I'm there in a special way. Now, the context here is real interesting, you know, because we'll use this a lot of times in prayer meetings, and that's true, you know, wherever we are there praying, and if there's two or more gathered specifically for that purpose, there he is in a special way, manifesting himself, blessing, you know, but the cool thing about it is this, that The prayers here, I think, would consist a lot in bringing back the erring brother. Because that's the context here. A lot of times you'll have prayer meetings and all we're praying for is sick people. And that's okay. I mean, we want sick people to get better, but we don't really, that's not to be the focus of our prayer meetings. The focus of our prayer meetings is, Lord, save the lost. Lord, bring back the erring brother. Look at your list next time that you have. And see how many of those prayers are about winning the loss for the Lord. And that's really the context of this whole thing. And so we learn about the children. We learn a little bit about the church. And then the last thing right here, I just called it the challenge. Because this can be such a difficult thing in our life. You guys, look what it says in verse 21. And then Peter came to him and he said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me, and I, and I forgive him, up to seven times? And then Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now this is about, you know, we're, we're just saying like $10 million. This is millions and millions of dollars, right? But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, think about that, and children, and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. 
And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and he begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. But he would not. He went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then his master, after he had called him, he said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And we close this morning, you guys, with a, with a real practical challenge, I believe, for all of our lives. You know, Peter asked this question about forgiveness and really, it's one of the most important questions in life. Forgiveness, that whole concept, is really man's deepest need. We need to be forgiven, and we need to have a heart to forgive others as well. Here we see Peter thought he was being pretty, you know, good. He was going to go above and beyond the teachings of the rabbis of those days. And he says, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother if he sins against me? What do you think, up to seven times? And the Lord said, no, uh, up to seven times 70. And so Peter breaks out a calculator and he starts thinking, okay. <laughs> but what the Lord is saying is, no, you, you just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. And, and that's really the heart that we need to have. The word literally means to leave. It means to send away. It means to yield. It means to let go. And what you guys, what we see here is that we need to freely forgive really as an expression of God's love and our gratitude towards him. Now, you know, think about it. He has forgiven you your debt, millions and gazillions of dollars, right? And how ugly it is when we don't forgive others who have sinned against us. And what that sum right there is just a few thousand dollars. But a lot of times that's what ends up happening. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, that love keeps no record of wrongs. And as we forgive, the offender then has the greater opportunity to experience God's grace. And what ends up happening, you guys, is we do as well, the offended. That as we forgive our husband, that as we forgive our spouse, not just superficially, but from the heart, then what that does is it releases maybe some of the toxin that you have inside, the cancer that you have inside, the bitterness that you have inside. So a lot of times what ends up happening is we say we forgive, but man, all we do is we keep bringing it up again, throwing it into their face. Here it is. I have it in the front row, ready to get you with this. And let me tell you something. We really need to read that warning right there in verse 35. He says, so my heavenly father also will do to you if, here it is, each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. And so I just really encourage you guys today, man, you know, no matter who it is that's come against you, no matter what the situation is, it could be your spouse, it could be your child, it could be a friend, you know, that you've had, that someone has hurt you in life. Yeah, you, you make sure that we don't get, you know, historical on them and bring everything up, that we don't get hysterical with them and yell at them because we're filled with rage and anger. But it's time. It's time to let go. 
to release those things so that you and I would be able to serve the Lord the way that he should. One guy said this, he that does not forgive burns the bridge over which he himself must pass. And if we don't forgive from our heart, no matter what it is, you will suffer, they will suffer, and God will be reproached. And so the Lord just teaches us these things today, you guys, that we really need to forgive, that we really need to take these things seriously, dealing with sin in a biblical way, and that we need to just cherish the children that God has brought into our path. If we do this, if we do this, I really believe that we will be blessed as a church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for allowing us to be here today, Lord. And Father, as we close now, even uh, the service, Lord God, I just uh, pray, Lord, that whatever, Lord God, the situations are in our lives individually, Lord, that you would minister to us, that we would not just hear the word and kind of go out not really knowing what to do, but, Lord, that we would know now, that you would speak to us now, Lord God, in the things in our life that need to change, maybe a child that we need to adopt into our heart, Lord God, or, or maybe uh, just repentance as a, a parent, or maybe getting involved in the children's ministry, Lord. Maybe dealing with sin, Lord, stopping the slander. No more gossip, but doing things your way. Maybe today, Lord, you're calling us to truly, deeply, genuinely, sincerely forgive someone that has hurt us, our spouse, a loved one, Lord. I just pray that today, Lord, you would show us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers also, Lord. And I also pray, Father, if there's anyone here today who's not your child, who's not a Christian, Lord, they've come today, and, and Father, that you have spoken to them, that you, Lord God, would just continue that work in their hearts, Lord God, that right now, that we would humble ourselves, and everyone here would acknowledge that we need Jesus. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, maybe somebody invited you here today, maybe you're backslidden. Right now is the most important part of the service, man. God has brought you here today because he loves you. And God wants you to know that love, to walk in that love, to walk in that power, that you would surrender your life to him. That if you've come here today and you have an emptiness inside, that you know nothing has been able to feel, not sex, not drugs, not money, not a relationship, not anything. But God has brought you here today to tell you that he can fill that void inside of you. He loves you. Without him, the Bible says, we read it today, there's only hell, but with him there is heaven. And so he extends the invitation to you today. And if you're here and you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, just want to give you an invitation right where you're at. Your whole life will change. God will breathe on you. God will bless you. God will do a new work. Maybe you've even done it before, but it just really hasn't, you know, stuck. This is the day that God wants to bless your life. Right where you're at, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray for you today. Praise God for the hand that's gone up. Anyone else, man, this is what it's all about you guys this is really where it's at
Today, there is power. God is here. If you really want his life, he can change you and he can bless you. Anyone else? Okay, well, if you're here today and you want that in your life, just pray with me this prayer and just mean it from your heart. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I admit I have sinned. I turn from my sin and today with all my heart and the midst of all these witnesses, I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, give me the power to walk and fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's all stand, you guys.